You know, it's kind of unique um, being a professor here and being the role that a bunch of us get to, to, uh, to have in connection and relationship with you guys as students. Um, that's the coolest thing about this place. I mean, I, I like the buildings and I think they're cool, but it's you that make it so amazing to be in this place. And I'm so lucky because I get to work beside so many people in different organizations, and one of those is with the chaplains. And we have two basically lead chaplains who lead and, and, and minister to all the other chaplains. And uh, Casey and Dylan are those two. And it's amazing to see how they work and connect. But you need to know this, like behind the scenes in that back room back over there, every Thursday it's a conversation about you and where you're at and how can we minister better to you and what are you feeling like. And so it is a huge honor in my opinion, to welcome to this platform to speak to you, one of your very own, Dylan. What's up, guys? I woo. So I know that last semester I came on stage and I talked a little bit about Star Wars, and that really wouldn't be that cool to do. So we're going to start talk about Star Trek today, but I just want to know a little bit about you guys. How many people here actually love Star Wars? Good, I'm there. I'm still in that camp. Who of you guys love Star Trek? All right, that's good. That's a decent representation. What about both? Awesome. Okay, and then I know there's a fourth category that I'm going to also hit on. Who doesn't care about either of those shows at all? Well, show or movie. Oh, what's up? <laughs> I see you, Devin. <laughs> all right. So I, wanted to, I just wanted to know the people who I was talking to today. And that fourth category, you guys might not completely understand this first, this first little story I'm going to tell you. But I was at a crossroads about a month ago. And this is a very nerdy crossroads. I'm not proud that this was actually a crossroads, but it was a crossroads. I have grown up believing that since I love Star Wars so much that I could not possibly like Star Trek. I thought that's what it meant to be a traitor. You know, you pick one. You decide, okay, I'm going to love Star Wars, and, you know, those guys can love Star Trek. And I never had any animosity or anything towards Star Trek or Trekkies. I heard that you guys don't like to be called that, so I'm going to refrain from saying it too much. But I know now that I was wrong. Because I walked in to my lodge one day, and on the TV screen, Star Trek Voyager was playing. And I was, yeah, that ship looks sick. Okay, so I, was, I walk in, right, and my, my uh, friend is watching it, and I'm like talking to him, and I see on the screen that Star Trek's playing, so I'm talking to him over here, and I'm saying, oh, what's up, Kali, what are you doing? I see you're watching uh, Star Trek. That, that looks interesting. Ooh, this, that's like a... It's like a phaser gun or anything. So, like, I'm trying to not look over here because that's where the screen is. And I'm trying to just keep talking to him because I don't want to jump ships. I don't want to leave the Millennium Falcon for the Star Trek Voyager. I was loyal to Obi-Wan Kenobi and Han Solo. There was only one galaxy for me, and it was the galaxy far, far away. So, anyway, in a moment of weakness, I found myself watching it. And about three hours later, like you do, 
I decided I loved this show so much. And I hated the fact that I loved it. Every single minute I was watching, I was like, no, Dylan, what about, what about Han? No, no. How can you do this to him? I'm like, I actually had kind of like a dilemma. I was like, I'm betraying my childhood heroes. But I think what I loved about this Star Trek is it wasn't your typical Star Trek, you know, the one that we normally think about. Because normally we think about uh, Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, right? And their whole mission is just journeying and exploring. And I didn't really connect with that. But this version, I did connect with. Because unlike Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, there was Captain Janeway, there was Commander Chakotay, there was Torres, and all of these people that were just trying to get home. They weren't out exploring the galaxy, they were just trying to get home. So the ship is led, like I mentioned, by this fearless captain, Captain Janeway. She's up on the screen right now. And the thing about Captain Janeway that's really awesome is she kicks some major butt. I don't know if, she, if I can say that, but she does it. She's crazy smart, and she keeps everyone in the crew together. And she doesn't just keep them together, but she truly cares for them. She has a relationship with them as well. But she's also business. She is always focusing already on the objective. She's always looking to getting home. And there's plenty of times in the sermon, not in the sermon, uh, in the show where this is the sermon. Okay, so there's plenty of times in the show where they encounter these different planets. And this planet seems really cool and you, like, you find all these reasons. You're like, man, they should totally just stay there. Why are they even bothering going home? This is the utopia. That's way better than what, they, what, they're, expect, like what they're expecting to receive when they get home. I mean, they don't even know when they're going to get home. And this planet's right here, and they could just be in this planet. And also, there's all these other times where the screen, you know, like when I, if you guys have seen Star Trek, you know when everything goes wrong on the ship, and the ground's shaking, and the screen's shaking, and then some villain, like, and they're all falling to the ground really dramatically, and then some villain pops up on the screen is like giving some ridiculous demands. They're like, no, and then they fight them, and it's awesome, and then they shoot lasers, and I really love Star Trek now, guys. But no, no matter what the trial is, no matter what the consolation prize looks like, Captain Janeway is always focused on the goal. She is always concerned about getting home. And my, my mentor and my professor told me that she said, her, Mark Schnell, he told me that she said there are three things to remember about being a starship captain. Keep your shirt tucked in, Go down with the ship and never abandon a member of your crew. Captain Janeway wants to get home more than anyone else on the crew. But just her getting home isn't enough. She wants them to get home together. So, for the next few minutes, we'll look into a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian Christians. And it's found in your Bibles in Philippians 3, starting with verse 12. And while you're turning there, um, or scrolling there, you know, however you do on your phones, that's really cool, as long as you're looking up the Bible passage. Um, Paul writes this letter to a group of people that he dearly loves. 
He wants to encourage them because they're already likely suffering persecution. He's suffering persecution. So surely this church is too, as well as the early church just in general. That's a pretty common theme is that they're suffering persecution. And they're probably going to see a lot more to come. So he's a man with a singular goal. He has his eyes set on one goal, and that is to see Christ and be with him in heaven. And he writes this letter as a man in prison facing a death that could potentially come at any point in time. Every day that he wakes up, it could be his last. And he doesn't wallow in it, He's, and he doesn't focus, oh, woe is me, no. Instead, he's thinking of his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's look there together, and I think it's going to come up on the screen. And yeah, starting with verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal. For the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is their destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory, by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Paul wants to be with Christ more than anything. He wants to make it to heaven because he considers that his home. He sees this world as something temporary, as something that's going to pass away. But he sees the eternality of heaven. He wants to go home more than anyone. Like Captain Janeway on the Voyager. He doesn't want to leave anyone behind though. And so he writes this letter to encourage his fellow Christians to seek the kingdom of God together because that is their goal. You know, as times change, some things still stay the same. You see, Paul was writing to people who had strange ideas of what it meant to follow Christ. Do you guys know anyone like that? Can I see you raise of hands? If you do. <laughs> Have you guys ever been anyone like that? Okay, I'm the only one. <laughs> when Paul was writing this letter, there were Christians who thought themselves to be the best that they could be. They thought that they had arrived at the goal. They thought that they had this whole Christian thing down. And they didn't have to move anywhere else further. How could they have more to learn if they've already learned it all? If they're already there, why continue to press forward? And what I love about Paul, but I love this about Paul 
because I'm not the one receiving the letter. But I love that Paul is so good at calling people out. And he's willing to do so for the good of the body of Christ and for the church and for Christians. He's willing to call them out to make them better. And so he says that even he had not attained the goal. And he just written a few verses uh, prior to this, that the, prior to the text that we were reading, that he had the greatest religious record ever. He went on this whole rant about why he was the most religious person. If anyone was okay, it was Paul. But he called himself to be the Hebrew of Hebrews, and the Hebrew of Hebrews had not yet arrived at this place of no longer having to grow. So he talks like an athlete that is taking part in a race, and he's looking ahead. And he's not focusing on the place that he's been. He's not looking behind him. No, he's looking ahead. And he's not looking at his feet and staying planted and running in place. No, he's looking ahead. Because, the, because ahead of him is the goal. And the head, ahead of him is his purpose. And that is the calling of Christ. So, since Christ called him, he is pursuing this calling. And that is his goal. Paul is calling for unity in a group of people that seem to be on different pages. This community needed to grasp that they had not yet arrived at their final destination. They needed to know that they were still pursuing it. They were still pursuing the goal. But not only were they just pursuing it, but they were to be pursuing it together. There's also division because there were Christians that were enemies of the cross. And this is a pretty harsh thing to be given, a pretty harsh title to be given if you're a Christian and you believe that you're a Christian. But Paul gives it because their whole lifestyle is contrary to what Christianity is. There was no change. They were still focused on the earthly things. They didn't have an experience of Christ changing their hearts. And they were staying in the same place that they were before their conversion. They were focused on the earthly things. They held their citizenship on earth to be most precious. And when they held their citizenship to be most precious on earth, then they neglected the ownership of their citizenship in heaven and the kingdom of God. So just like Captain Janeway and her crew were always tempted to give up their quest to get home and just live on the cool planet of the week that's, that came up on every single episode, almost every single episode, there's always a new cool planet, we still see Christians giving up on the goal of being with Christ and instead just paying attention on the cool planet. And... When I say there are still Christians, I mean myself as well. Guys, I want so badly just to stay on the cool planet sometimes. Because the cool planet's right here. The cool planet doesn't require any more effort. The cool planet doesn't mean I have to keep working for it or keep venturing forward or keep pressing on or keep trying harder than I already have been trying. And when you're so tired and you don't want to go on any further, it makes perfect sense that you want to stay on this cool planet. So I feel for these Christians that were enemies of the cross, that were focusing on being on the cool planet. But my goal isn't this planet. 
Our goal isn't this planet. Our goal is Christ and unity with him. But also, there is not just unity with Christ as our goal. We forget that we are on this journey together and we let division sever us from one another. This could be, oh, I don't like to worship this way. How dare they bring an electric guitar in there? Or how dare they take away my electric guitar? It could be, a, why is there a drum, sit, drum set playing in our sanctuary? It could be, a, why are we singing hymnals? Why are we not singing hymnals? There could be so many things that are just matters of preference that do not hold up as arguments for severing the body of Christ. We need, to hold what is impo- we need to hold to what is important, and that is Christ. That is dogma. We focus so much on opinions and our own personal preferences that we're willing to divide the church. I'm as guilty as this as anybody. So even I haven't yet arrived at this goal. And when we're focusing on all these things that seem to be reasons to sever with one another, we forget to focus on the goal at hand. And the goal at hand is the pursuit of Christ. And it's not just the pursuit of Christ and say, forget everyone else, I'm getting there. It's the pursuit of Christ together. This journey is not a lone wolf adventure, but it's a community pursuing the goal together. How often do we pay so much attention to where we are right now that we're looking at our feet and we're jogging in place and we forget that we haven't even arrived yet. We convince ourselves that this place is where we're supposed to be. And we don't even realize that we still have 100 meters ahead of us. We are not there yet. When we start thinking we've arrived, then we stop growing and we stop maturing and, we, and staying put or slowing down is not the point of the Christian journey. No, we need to constantly follow hard after Christ and live the reality that the journey of following never ceases. The journey of following Christ is a lifestyle. When we think that we have arrived, then that lifestyle stops and the pursuit stops. And that is not what the Christian life is meant to be. When we claim that we are followers of Christ, then our lives should look differently. We should not still be living in the same exact way we had been prior to being taken hold of by Christ. <laughs> and if you want an example of how I need to be different still, I will say that this morning, I lost my sermon. I lost my Bible and my sermon. And I know, we're supposed to trust God and we're not supposed to worry. We're supposed to cast all our anxiety on him. That's so easy to say until you lose your sermon about an hour before you're supposed to preach. And so I had a lot of worry and not a lot of trust. And I found the sermon, praise God, but I have not arrived there yet. Christ is still transforming my heart just as well. I'm way closer than I ever have been, but I'm still not there. I'm still growing, and I'm still maturing. I still have my times where I say something stupid, and I think that it messes everything up, but on this journey, God is continuously changing my life and my heart. So Paul's image of the Christian life is this constant pressing on or straining after Christ. But what is amazing is this race isn't a competition. Paul's imagery isn't a 100-meter dash that only has one winner and the rest are losers, and you don't have to push each other out of the way to get to the front. You don't have to be throwing bows or anything. 
No, it's an ultra marathon where all the finishers are equal winners and there's not a first place prize, there's just the prize. It's possible for everyone who takes part in this race to reach the goal. It is possible for everyone who takes part in this race to reach the goal. The end is assured not because of what we do on our own power, but how the Holy Spirit has worked with us in the way that we are obedient to it, and the way that we are obedient to him changing our hearts and our minds. Finishing the race rests on the fact that we belong to Christ because of the work that has been done on the cross and through his resurrection. Paul says he's pressing on to take hold of his goal because Christ has already taken hold of him. We can attain this goal together. And that is what the Holy Spirit working through us and with us makes happen. We do not have to focus on the citizenship of this world because that will all pass away. This is not an eternal home. We have our citizenship in heaven waiting for us. And that we can pursue for the rest of our lives. We get to do this whole thing together. We're not alone in this journey. The Lord has given us this community, his church to grow and mature together. And we can follow after Christ together. We can empower one another. We can lift each other up. We can run this marathon and see that one of our brothers or sisters fell down. And we can stop and pick them up and bring them with us. And we don't have to push each other over, like I said. We do not have to push each other over because we should be so concentrated on picking them up while we're pursuing it. We need to tell our brothers and sisters that the Lord always has more for them and they need to press into it. I tell all of you, church, that the Lord has more for all of us and we should press into it together. That may be inviting one another to come to church to talk about what you've been reading in scripture, asking about each other's prayer life. What about asking other hard questions? What about going beyond just the surface level? What about asking each other questions that may require more effort on our part to do follow through with? What if we asked about each other's purity? What if we asked about each other's sin that's holding us back from Christ? What if we were asked about the sin that's holding us back from Christ? How bad do we want to get home? How bad do we want to get home together? Just like Captain Janeway, let's not lose sight of the goal, but let's constantly pursue it. Star Trek is awesome. I've been converted. I love Star Trek. I still love Star Wars too, but I love Star Trek. And Captain Janeway's push to get home can be an inspiring example for all of us. But we're not even trying to make it back to our home planet. We're just trying to make it home because this planet isn't our home. Our citizenship is in heaven with Christ. And we're, we need to press on to take hold of it. Because he's already taken hold of us. That means that we're traveling toward Christ and Christ is with us every step of the way urging us on. And let's never be satisfied with where we are at, but let's push for more and more in our relationship with Christ. Let's focus on reaching, reaching that heavenly citizenship together. Let, just like the crew of the Voyager, let's get home together. Let's get home together. This is a shameless plug, but 
one awesome opportunity that we have is communion. When we commune with each other and that we partake in this Lord's Supper and we partake in this tradition that's happened for thousands of years and that we enjoy the body of Christ together in fellowship. And tomorrow night we have the opportunity to do that in the commons at 9.30. And I know that that might be something that you're like, oh, this is just a plug for breathe. This is a plug for community. And this is plug for another element in our lives that we can introduce and we can actually physically see the community of Christ coming together. So church, let's get home together. Be sent out. Thank you.